0: Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast.
1: Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you're with us. We're talking about financial matters. Both myself and my co host are both financial advisors, financial planners, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. Call us whatever you want. We've been helping people with their finances for over 30 years, help people have some independence in their life where work
2: becomes a choice and not an obligation. And... Um, a little bit more them. financial freedom for most, and it's hard in these markets. It's 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 difficult. It is. I was at a conference the uh,
1: last week, uh, Charles Schwab conference for uh, Charles Schwab. I think about about half the money that they uh, that's under their care is from uh, firms like ours. So when you hire an independent advisor, we use an independent firm. To be to kind of hold the assets, and we act as advisor. It just gives another layer of protection for our clients. And um, so, there was three economists that spoke over these two days. Three totally different opinions on what's going to happen. But Jim, most are saying there's most like odds are we're going to have a recession. How many said we
2: might be in a recession now? We've already. Uh,
1: one of them said that. Yeah, currently like, we might be in a recession right now. Yeah. Some thought we weren't going to have recession till till next year. Another one said, "Well, how in the world? I don't see what gets, what prevents us from dropping into recession between now and 2023. So, like, what bridges us there?" So, I, anyway, and, <laughs> it was reminding me there was no different, Pat. When I first started in this industry, I remember I'm really excited. I went to this conference for the first time 30 some years ago, right? I'm a young guy with got to go learn all this stuff. Really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Well, you maybe get a little jaded. <laughs> so I remember years ago, I go and hear these economists, I went to this economist in the morning. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. I got all this great information. I went to this economist in the afternoon. Completely different conclusion on the same data points. And I remember at that point,
2: realizing that it's not a good idea to follow the economist. Well, and remember, recession, degrees of recession, could be massive. Right? It's so the the... When we talk, we talked about this last week or the week before on this program about recession being as two quarters in a row with declining GDP, and we had uh, Andy Stout, our uh, chief investment officer, on. But if you have a negative, you know, growth of point zero zero one, technically, yeah, and, in, and I guess who really cares? Yeah, good point. And the stock market, by the way, is a leading indicator to – an many economists, but not all, agree that a stock market can be a leading uh, indicator to a recession. So you could be in a recession, but your stocks could actually – your equity positions in your portfolio could just be skyrocketing where the economy is –
1: a lot of times, in the is, midst of recession, is when yeah, the markets yeah. turn the corner. And
2: so, remember this word recession. There are degree. Whereas, if you had negative GDP growth of five percent or six percent, that yeah. is a yeah. But be considered. But they're t- still both technically considered recessions. So, your what your no. point was? <laughs> what's it matter? It's your own personal financial world that most people live in.
1: That's what I meant by that. Yeah, Yeah. like
2: who cares? Yeah, yeah. Unless unless it's your job that gets laid off. Uh, Unless you're running for office. Um, But if you're running for office, uh, you'd prefer to uh, actually run for office in a growth environment. If you were so silly as to run for office. I'm not running for office. office. Thank you. And we're
1: gonna get to calls here in just a moment. I I had um, I had dinner with a friend of mine the other night. Who's uh, he's been in Silicon Valley. He's been in. I guess they used to call it software sales, but it's not really software anymore. It's just tech stuff, cloud storage, whatever he sells. I don't know. But he's been doing this. He's my age. He's been doing this a long time, and he's working um, for a current startup. And he says, "Yeah, we're at the point where either going to wind down or go seek uh, millions more dollars in funding." <laughs> so right. And he said, "Yeah, we presented the board. Kind of went to the investors and say, like, here's our options. We can either just wind operations down completely, just shut it down, and all the money that's been invested is gone, or..." You want? Here's this plan we've got in place. You want to throw some more cash and see if we can resurrect this thing? That's option B. And, but he talked about just in the tech industry. He says it's a bloodbath. He said Silicon Valley is a bloodbath right now. The, the VC capital is like just dry, also just overnight dried up. You know, of course, I, uh, IPOs are non-existent essentially it's right Correct. Now. Yeah. So public so offerings are pretty much. And um, he just says, yeah. I, the, the, he says this, this storm is brewing. It's a. He says the world has changed in the tech business, which Which gets you you to wonder uh, if you think, look at how much, if you look at the appreciation, particularly you take some of these companies, these tech companies, that just the stock price went, they're suddenly worth a hundred billion dollars and they've not done anything, right? They're not making any any money. Lots of companies like that. And these companies went public or there was some sort of transaction and people paid massive amounts of capital gain taxes, both federal level and state level. Like, even if the markets stay flat between now and the end of the year, or even if they have a modest recovery, what's this going to do to the, uh, our tax revenue situation for the next
2: couple of years, well, both a at a federal and
1: a state level? That's a good I point. think the states that rely heavily upon the capital gains, like California, are going to be in real trouble. But-
2: that's an excellent point. And you, you see it, companies that weren't really tech companies but tried to sell themselves as tech companies. Uh, I was uh, in Denver last week, and we were driving – My wife and I were driving back to the airport, and I saw one of these caravan, caravana buildings, these big glass buildings where they put the used cars Caravana. what is it? Carvana, carvana, carvana. And I said to my wife, uh, that stock's down by about 90%, over 90%. And the Uber driver says, oh, no, they're just building that. That's brand new. They haven't (laughs) even put a car in there yet. (laughs) <laughs> and and the they, the stock soared during the um the, the government restrictions and COVID. Because um, yeah, so there's no dealerships open, you might as well try <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. I had a buddy was shared with him just the other day. He bought a but, pickup truck through him. It was a nightmare. But um, but my point <laughs> being is that they were selling themselves as a tech company when in reality Car they sold cars. <laughs> Much like WeWork was selling themselves as a life changing. You know, holistic environment. And at the end of the day, don't kid yourself. They were subleasing office.
1: Space. I, I, I think times like this, as painful as they are, they are healthy because we can't go forever of having companies that have real no. They have no real prospects for earnings down the road. No, nothing rational anyway. At prices that are just astronomical, it it's just not sustainable. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, the equity markets, the stock market, the bottom, They all go through cycles like this. They're
2: painful. But they're, they're normal, number one. Number two, I,
1: frankly, I think they're kind of healthy.
2: Well, uh, I agree with that. We talked about it last year uh, many times about how some of these prices on these companies were just astronomical. But w- my favorite is uh, reading even this morning about why the crypto markets are doing – Poorly, it was because of the tightening of the feds and i'm thinking <laughs> how, how did you how did you go did, i've seen those articles too it's like how did you go from because you didn't see the loosening of the feds money restrictions actually drove the crypto prices. anytime in. you le- you read
1: anything in the financial press or on the financial television or whatnot just remember they report the same way they report every other story so, so think of the, the political stories we're not going to get into that at all but I mean, they're just There's they're explosive money. on both sides, mm-hmm. and that's exactly the same kind of things that happens in, yeah. in the financial report. Well, so.
2: right, enough commentary. We're going to go to the phones. If you'd like to join our show. It says All Worth's Money Matters, by the way. Oh, thank you. Eight three three ninety nine worth eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. And when you call in, what happens is um, we schedule time for us to talk. So if you're listening to this on podcast, and you're like... Pat and Scott there twenty four hours a day. Yeah taking our calls. Oh yeah. That's how we serve. <laughs> we do that for you, our listeners. We schedule time for you to uh speak with us at a later date. So let's yeah. uh, let's dig into this, Scott.
1: Let's uh start off with Pat. Pat, you're with Allworths Money Matters.
2: Hey, good morning guys. How are you today? Fantastic. What can how we do you? for you, Pat?
3: So I have a question. Um For my sister, she recently changed jobs and uh, she was formerly at a nonprofit where she had a 403B and now she's moved uh, to a school district where they also offer a 403B. Um, And the question uh, is what she should do with her old 403B. And let me give you a little um, information about uh, both her former 403B and her new 403B. Perfect. So so she's um, in a mutual fund, a target date mutual fund in her current uh, or, or her former 403B. And it's pretty expensive. It charges um, – well, they don't make it easy to find out what their expense ratio is. See, that's weird. But when I – yeah, when I added up all the fees, I calculated it at about thirty basis points. Um uh so and then at her new job they offer a four oh three B that's uh a variable annuity.
1: And that's their and only option?
3: Ap- yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. And then when that's I That's the know, only option she it. has.
1: Is it like one variable annuity or is there a, a menu well, of well, variable there's, annuities there's, to
3: choose from? There's there's 10 different funds that she could put into this variable. But it's right. all
1: with the same insurance company?
3: Yep. So
2: American the new, new nonprofit Cadillac. she's working with is really small, I take it. Uh well, it's a school district. Oh, are you sure that she only has one option?
3: Well, to the best of my knowledge, yes.
2: Is That's, it a decent sized uh, school district? She's told me. Is it a decent sized school district?
3: It's relatively small.
2: Okay. Because normally, so well, normally, normally what happens is they actually have open what they call payroll slots where there is a limited number of uh, providers that you can invest through. But some are, you know, 403B7s, which is what she had at her previous employer, which is you go directly into the mutual fund, and some are 403B's variable annuities, which have a tendency to be more expensive than a 403B. Yeah, and a little
1: background on this. The tax-sheltered annuity for teachers, those preceded the 401K. So before the 401K existed, we had this market where teachers had an opportunity to save. These they all started with insurance companies offering these tax-sheltered annuities that were fixed insurance contracts, insurance companies offered a fixed rate. As time went on, 401ks were created in the marketplace. 403, they came out with what's called a 403b7, which allows people to um, choose a variety of options. But the main difference is, if you work for a large company, or a small company for that matter, that has a 401k, the employer chooses the 401k. They have a fiduciary responsibility. And then they set these assets aside. They're essentially aside. They're not part of the company's assets. They're set aside in trust that the employer still manages the selection of
2: investments. They have to act as a fiduciary. A, and oftentimes they have to, but not always.
1: With a 403B, essentially the, the employer says, well, we're going to get out of it. All we're going to do is transfer the dollars to wherever you tell us to transfer them to but we're going to typically we're going to limit it to your number of options and it sounds like the new employer they're only they're limited to just one option just some insurance company that has a variability
3: how, how old is your sister she's 55
2: how much money is in the account
3: 40,000 r- roughly in
2: that ballpark i would move it to an ira
3: okay that
2: would yeah she's no longer employed there my thinking
3: is Right. That was my thinking as well. She also has. You're losing a couple uh, benefits, a Roth, right, Ben?
2: Yeah, we're going to lose a couple things, but keep talking. She also has what?
3: A, a Roth IRA at Vanguard that she's fully funding every year. And how much is currently? in that? Uh, 40K also.
2: And does she have any money and, outside IRAs?
3: Uh, just some savings.
1: And you help her with her allocations and stuff? You, it sounds like you're kind of come alongside and help your sister.
3: Well, I, I, yes, are. and I just have her in a in a target date fund because she's pretty much hands off and doesn't want to deal with it, and you know I don't want to manage her
1: right. stuff yeah. day-to-day. <laughs> yeah.
2: This, yeah. So why, this, why don't you just consider well, so transferring
1: it to where she has her? You're
2: going to lose a couple benefits, right? So okay, what what did what do we lose? Okay, so one is you lose. Was she 55 or older in the year in which she separated from service? Yes. Okay. You're going to lose the ability for her to take money out of that without penalty. Before 59 and a before half. Before 59 and a half. And, uh, and the penalty is 10% federal and 2.5% and right. state. Right. But actually, it didn't. It doesn't matter your age in a 403B. Uh, it does matter. Yeah, 457 doesn't 457, matter. 457, it doesn't. So
1: if you think that she's going to need money prior to 59 and a half, and it's going to have to come from a 403B... You're not going to want to move it to an IRA. And the
2: second thing she's going to... Probably a big if. And, and then the second thing she's going to uh, lose is the ability to borrow from that. Now, in saying all okay. that... <clears throat> what if are the, my sister? I'd move to an IRA. Yeah, 100%. And you're like, well, what happens if she becomes yeah. disabled and can't work anymore? Will the penalties come off the IRA... Anyway, if she's disabled, if she's disabled, so unless if she has money in the Roth, unless and she does have money in the Roth, which probably has pull, a pension, yeah. Coming. But in the money in the Roth, you can pull your deposits out without penalty. So, in saying all that, if it was my fifty-five-year-old sister, um, I would just have her move it into an IRA, um, and you can pick a target date in the IRA. Or
1: I, uh, as yep. she
2: gets close to retirement, I'm.
1: With a I'm not a huge fan of the target date because when it comes time for withdrawals, you you don't right. ha, you don't have a choice on you can't say I want I'd like to right. I'd like to withdraw right. from this cash portion or the right. secure bond portion.
2: And so your recommendation right, right. would be to his brother to allocate the portfolio correctly and then interact with her sister on an ongoing basis in order to decide. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I'd go with I, the target date. Uh, and- <laughs>
3: Okay, so I, I intend to do that in the distribution phase. In the accumulation phase, I said, let's just make it easy on both of us. Just put it in this well, target date fund. Well, and but, but, when when we get to distribution, then we'll reallocate into appropriate bonds and stocks, and but, we can worry about distributions then.
2: Okay, oh, All right, I'd probably go with that, but for the rest of the listeners— And if of, there were 400, not 40, we would be arguing something different. That's probably true, but— if it's her last 40, we should treat it like 400. It's not. She has another 40 in her Roth. Okay. And she has a pension. <laughs> so. Okay. But but one of the things that target dates do is they only look at your age to decide what the allocation is. And just because I'm a year older, I would not be selling equities into this market and moving into the bond portion of the portfolio. Right. 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 Understand. So. Understand. Uh, you, you get it. You get it. So in saying all of that, just move it. And into she probably has
1: no options on other than this variable annuity
2: with her new employer, and uh, yeah, mean. move it to an IRA, pool target date fund. And I like that your th- thought thinking on how you're going to take distributions at yeah. some point in the future. Glad you so, Pat. And, and I keep wondering why do they when are they going to get rid of the 403b and
1: just use 401ks across? You know, you know why? It's the lobbying
2: of the insurance companies <laughs> that keep it in place. There's too many too many people are getting fed right now. Yeah, yeah there's lots I, of fat in the food chain, I, I know. including the lobbyists I know. and maybe some politicians. All right. But I don't want to sound cynical now.
1: Because
2: <laughs> you haven't for, never
1: had have before. Why start now, Pat? 8, 833-99-WORTH with a question you've got for us. And uh, we are in Ohio talking with Maureen, you're with Allworth's Money Matters.
4: Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to ask a question. If um, if you thought there is a recession coming and if now was a good time to buy farmland, that possibly we would just have it be tillable and leased to a farmer. We would just use it on weekends.
1: When you say use it on weekends, what do you mean?
4: Well, just go to, you know, if it was like land that had like a little um, pond or lake on it, we uh, could take our tamper down there and just, you know, actually use it for recreation to get away from the city or suburbia.
2: And, and so th- this is a, this is a great question. Um, the thing that I would worry about is, is water
1: is I would worry way before then, Pat, it's like my question would be, have you had any experience in owning farmland, thank you. Have you had any
2: experience in farming? Do you? No. Yeah. So, would you know how to acquire the right land, and or then sign the right contract with the right farmer uh, to make and sure even that know, you're know what's paid? good and what's not? good. I'll give you. So, I'll
1: tell you a little story, here, Maureen. This was probably I'm 55. This is probably 20 years ago. I was 35. Uh, our advisory firm was already pretty successful, uh, and I, I was having a conversation with the this. The CEO of a of a company, they had a couple thousand employees, very successful, and he was probably age 65 or so at the time, right? had this conversation, he says, Scott, if I can give you any advice, he says, stick to the industry you know. And I said, what do you mean, Bill? I'll call him Bill. And he says, well, and he told me about two other ventures that he did uh, that looked like sh- such great ideas, but they were out, they were outside of his expertise, and he had his hat handed to him at both of them, right? So he says, like, my advice would be stick with what you know, get better at what you know, and avoid the noise on the outside. And I, I've, I've, I appreciate that advice, and I've thought about it personally, but I've also thought about it as an advisor with clients. And, I mean, it sounds—how how old are you today, Maureen?
4: 60, uh, 67.
1: And what's your net worth? Uh, $4 $4 and how much were you going to uh, put towards farmland?
4: Uh, probably between $700,000 and 900000
2: Oh. Mm. And the goal would be to
1: do... To... Is it to make money? Is it to have a place to go take your fifth wheel to? What's the objective?
4: Well, the objective would be, you know, every time you hear the stock market going down in the recession, and then you look at your market and how much you've lost, you know, land would always have a value, and the stock market always seems to be going down lately and probably the next four years continually down. I can't foresee it. Com- I mean, everything I've listened to, it says that young people be able to make it up, but not us older people. So we um, was thinking of something that would not lose its value, like land would always have a value. You could always sell it, too.
2: Well, it could be down dramatically from what you paid for it. Yeah, just because it doesn't, the land doesn't send you a statement, doesn't mo- mean it doesn't lose value. I mean, it can lose as much value as any individual stock can, if not more. Right. So all of a sudden, whatever crops there or there's no water, and it could go to or, zero
1: because of the because of um, the property taxes on it.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Right.
1: I mean,
2: that'd be very rare situation, but um, so. And, and by the way, I, I disagree with the thesis. Uh, and how much of your own portfolio do you have in stocks versus bonds?
4: Uh, right now, we're like 70-30.
2: Well, you might be a little bit and aggressive. You, you might be a little bit aggressive. Are you taking income off of it? Um, yes. And how much are you taking income? What's the investable amount? You said your net worth was $4 million. How much do you have invested?
4: Um, probably... About three and a half millions invested,
2: and how much income are you taking?
4: Uh, We're taking about
2: uh, forty thousand a year. I mean, look, and so you have thirty percent in. So you got three point five million. So you've got. I mean, you've got one point two million dollars, essentially, almost one point two million dollars in in bonds. So, and you're taking forty thousand dollars a year in income, um, y- you you can go out the rest of your life before you have to sell any stocks. Before you have to sell any stocks.
4: Yeah, well, I know, I know, we've been told that that you know we could live right now off of it, but we just we just wanted to get your opinion on okay. having you, land you know it's, during well, a recession. You know, we just thought that sounded good and i mean that's,
1: i think if you look at a lot of farmers are struggling right now in in large part pat your your, your point is an issue in lots of parts of the country but uh the cost of fertilizer has gone exponentially and the the second largest fertilizer plant in the world was in ukraine that's destroyed uh, oh, so yeah. I, like there's not a, not only we have uh petroleum prices sky high which is what most of these fertilizers, fertilizers are, based are based on. on but, yep. And you've got uh, one of the major factories that produces fertilizer. So, so there, I, I, it's a challenge for farmers it, right now, it, and
2: it could s- certainly spill over to land. If, if you were sitting in my office with no background in this sector, you, you or your husband didn't come back from a farm background, uh, I would that's say— That's the biggest
1: issue. Absolutely. If you wanted to buy a
2: rental house in your community, that's another story. I wouldn't do it.
1: It's just going to cause you more work. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I We would I w- recommend it against it. And you know, it's it's interesting. I appreciate so much. Appreciate the call, Marine, and um, happy to be a, uh, offer our opinion on on matters like this. The stock market is the one market I know of where when prices are on sale, people want to get rid of them. They want less of it, and when they go up, they want more. I'm wearing a sport coat right now. If my if these sport coats. It suddenly doubled in price. I'd probably have (laughs) forty (laughs) dollars. I'd I'd probably say, "Eh, I don't know if I want to buy a sport coat right now. They're just I'll just deal with the ones I got. And if they were suddenly on half, I'd probably maybe I'll buy a couple, maybe two, three, four. Load up right now. Load up while prices (laughs) are down.
2: Don't buy any more of those sport (laughs) coats.
1: Okay,
2: bad analogy, but you know, you get the point. I get the point. I, I agree. And I was thinking about that. Does that happen in real estate too? Um. People no, because most of the during the last real they, estate crisis, people were actually taken; the homes were taken away from them. There was a which c- will be it
1: won't which will be different this time.
2: It will we'll, be different this yeah. time, just because of how it the will go through cycles. It will go
1: through cycles, yeah. and you will see declines in property values. But I would, maybe not all at once across the nation, but it it happens. Uh, but it been, happened before; it'll happen
2: again. You and I have been approached. So we live in the Central Valley of California, which is one of the tomato growing and nuts specifically almonds in the U S we have been approached multiple times to invest in those. And I'm like, this is too far outside of what I know. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't understand it. What's the point? Anyway, we're
1: up against the break here. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. This is all worth money matters.
0: Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with, whether it's about retirement investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833 99 Worth. That's 833
1: 99 W O R T H. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Uh, I before we go back to some calls, we had um, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out to not only clients, but I think anyone who wants wants it. I don't know if, I, I don't I think we got 30 or 40,000 people get it. It's free newsletter. By the way, I wouldn't but I mean if you'd like it uh, you can sign up for it allworthfinancial.com. Wait, a free newsletter? <laughs> I said the other day. I didn't have anything to read. I didn't know where to go. I couldn't find anything.
2: <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Allworth combined with a free newsletter. Wow, I got an email. <laughs> One email for the week. And then,
1: I was so happy to get
2: an email. Although, say, saying that, our subscription <laughs> levels are high. I think there's north of 50,000 The reason I'm bringing subscribe. this up,
1: the reason I bring so up, uh, so it was last weekend's newsletter.
2: That came out. There was an article in there, and we had quite a bit of feedback on it. And we can see who our people will look to see how much we can tell how many people actually open, yeah, and how much time they spend on. And it. You how can't much time. tell whether they've read it or not. Yeah, so they may be speed readers, or, or maybe they open that and then they saw a cat video somewhere else, and they decided to watch <laughs> the cat video. <laughs> and who could blame it? <laughs> right, our article but about Angel retirement or cat cat video.
1: So, but the title. Of the article was, "Will I have
2: enough to retire?" And this is the biggest question. So I remember, um, yeah, this is twenty-five years ago. This <laughs> I met this gentleman, and he says, "I have a million dollars. Is that enough to retire?" And I said, "I have no idea." And he said, "Well, well, your financial advisor, you help people retire, is a million dollars enough?" I said. I got to tell you, I have no idea. I have no idea what you need to live. If I knew how much you needed to live, I'd be able to answer the question. And maybe you should have that million dollars in liquid or maybe you should have it invested. Depends on whether it's an IRA or not an IRA. There's a lot of factors that go into it. I'll never
1: forget, Pat. This was uh, probably 25, 30 years ago. And this gentleman came into my office. He had this retirement buyout offer from his employer. And he came in, he said he wanted to retire. I think he was early 60s, maybe late 50s, early 60s. And didn't have much in savings. So I'm, I'm having a conversation. So tell me about your house. Why don't I own a house? I'm like, oh, well, there's strike one for trying to it's retire, hard. right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, what do you have savings? Well, I don't have a whole lot. And I'm like, oh, well, strike two. But he had this pension buyout with, I forget what it was, a couple hundred thousand, 200 or 250,000. Not a whole lot. Um. But I ran through the numbers. I said, well, let's assume you took, say, 4% out of the IRA, out of your retirement dollars and and social Social security. Security. And I told him the number, a couple grand a month or whatever. He's like, that's fantastic. That's more than enough for me to retire. I'm like, "What, what are you talking about? He says, well, my brother has this big property along the river, and he says I could put my trailer there. And he says, frankly, I don't even really like being around people, so that kind of retirement sounds like, fantastic for me i could just be in my my and he says i've got employer paid health insurance till i'm age 65 so for him two hundred fifty thousand was the right number for most it is not i don't know anybody else who that would be enough
2: income for retirement yes that yes and, and so the question is do you have enough to retire well it depends on how much you need to live on and what What expenses do you have today that you won't have in retirement? So is your mortgage paid off? For most people, that's one of their largest expenses. If you're retiring before Medicare, do you have um, health insurance that is being paid for by a third party, oftentimes a a previous employer? Right? That's another big expense. Are you still supporting anyone? Children? Grandchildren? Grandchildren? Right.
1: And what kind of lifestyle do you want versus how much do you enjoy your job?
2: Which is all. Always- I mean,
1: I know you've had the same thing, Pat, where you've had someone come in and they want to look at it and you say, here's the reality, you're going to have to reduce your standard of living. And they say, I don't care. I can't do this. I hate my job so much. I'm going to leave. I'll figure it out. And some go out and find another
2: career and some people don't. And they choose to have a lower standard of living. Yeah. And some have choice. more than enough money to retire, but... They're afraid of what will happen to them in retirement. Or well, they person. don't want to retire. Yeah. Well, they oftentimes to... it's a, it it's because they love their job so much, or they think they they'd hate themselves in retirement.
1: The latter for me. <laughs> I <know. laughs> That's why I hate themselves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're brutally honest about
1: it, right? <laughs>
2: like I, this too is... much
1: time to think about my flaws.
2: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Or lack lack of interaction. So. Do you have enough money to yeah, retire? We go
1: through a, a process at Allworth. Um, the seven it's a little persons. different because you, you see, if you read, a, if, you, if you Googled that right now, how much do I need to retire? You're going to get a variety of things. Some You're going to read 80% of your pre-retirement income. Is what Which may or mean. may not be right. Some might say you need more than your pre-retirement income. It's all over the map. Our process really, we what we look at is what's coming through that family household today. The gross family product. That's being spent somewhere. And can we make that up in retirement? And But when you factor in what's, what you're currently saving, how much you put into your Social Security, if you got a home mortgage, that's no longer going to be there. I mean, there's there's a number of things that can get deducted from that. So what you're actually spending might be dramatically different than what
2: your gross income is. Yeah. So if, you're, if your income is $125,000 a year and you're putting 15% into your 401k, and you're paying social security tax, what we know already is that you can live on 23, 24% less than what you're... Because you already are. Because you already are yeah. versus what the top line payroll What you is. don't want to do
1: is go through and make a line item list of your expected budget in retirement because... You'll be way off. You will be off. I <laughs> <'Cause- laughs> Like this is like I just remember when I was a younger advisor, I'd have people do that, and I'd be I'd like look at them and like, okay, well, you made one hundred and thirty thousand last year, and your budget
2: is forty yeah. grand.
1: <laughs> so where are the other dollars going? There's uh, there always a there's always a gap. So instead of trying to go through that, let's figure out what you're actually spending today, and let's
2: see if we can. And the idea behind that. that is, in order to maintain your current lifestyle. And it may not be your current lifestyle exactly where you live. Maybe sometimes it requires or you want to move to a less expensive place to live. Or you live in an area
1: where the home values have gone up so much, you're like, it could be life-changing we if we move.
2: We actually, so we, as I mentioned earlier, we live in the Central Valley, Sacramento. Our home values have been driven a lot by the people moving out of the San Francisco Bay Area into Sacramento. And subsequently we have driven home values up in parts of Nevada because people are or moving Dallas, from or Nashville because people are moving out of more expensive places to live but once those places get more expensive to live you know i read a uh, you know i read a fascinating article last week that and i think about this has a lot to do with whether people return to work and what our lifestyle looks like post covid it is estimated that 50% of all office space in the United States is sitting fallow. Doesn't mean that it doesn't have a lease on it. It's just not being used. And you're like, well, 50%. What that means is, if someone's coming in two days a week and they were coming in five, it's empty. It's empty 50% of the time.
1: Well, in that case, more than 50. But no okay, start. all right,
2: we're gonna go exactly <laughs> 60%. 60%. So. Um, it will be interesting, and what it will really be interesting to see is what it actually does to home prices in different communities where parts of the Rust Belt may be some of the most attractive places to live in three, four, five years from now.
1: Well, and that was also, if you look at Pat, when they would extend a freeway or put in another lane, so what happened, it just caused urban sprawl to go even further, right? Because yeah. people would get – they'd be comfortable with a certain amount of commute. But if you only have to commute two days a week – or three days a week and if your commute can be during hours that aren't necessarily rush hours it can change the whole and, equation
2: uh, well we're a little off subject let's um we'll go to the I don't know, are we it's i think all. we no i think we're probably a little bit uh, on subject on uh, subject on subject i think on, by the way that article you can find that article we were just talking about at allworthfinancial.com. financial.com yes and actually while you're there uh, take a look at the seven personal decision points which is the process we go through—it's our financial planning process—and it's very fluid, uh, which means you can ask the question: If I sold my house and then bought a new home with no mortgage, what would my retirement look like then? It's a very, very fluid process that we've um, instituted. If yeah. you'd like to join the <clears throat> show, eight three three ninety nine worth—that's eight three three triple nine six seven. and we'll get you on the program. Let's talk with Chris. Hi, Chris. You're with Allworth. Hi, guys.
5: It's good to talk with you. Thank you. What can we do for you? Well, I had a quick question that came up a while back. It's
6: kind of moot now because I don't feel flush with cash, but at the time... I said to my wife uh, of 30 years, it's our three-year anniversary today. I said, John, oh, happy I've been thinking that if we had <laughs> one of these windfall stocks that just went up, you know, three, four hundred percent or something and we had some cash sitting there, I would like to take that and pay off the balance on our house and have our house paid for. And she, being smarter than me, said, of course, we want to pay off the HELOC first because it's almost double the interest rate. She's and right. I said nobody ever never nobody ever uh, you know got kicked out of a HELOC, but you get kicked out of the house and I just like to say it's paid for.
2: <laughs> oh, got it, got it, got it. But she's right. She's absolutely right. <laughs> well, I know she's right. She's always What do you right. mean say no one's got kicked off <laughs> Well you a HELOC. can get thrown out of the house on so not paying off a HELOC. Absolutely. <laughs> so we well, can be sure, foreclosed. Sure. About I realize that yeah. It's- but what it's happens will lean against the house. That's, That's right. right. And normally what would happen, depending upon how much equity is in the home, the first position would take the house. Um they could buy the HELOC out. But, yeah. But they, but the it, and you don't have a lot of consumer debt, I'm taking that, because your wife would have said we should pay off the credit cards first.
6: Yeah, we don't carry that. We and,
2: just pay them off monthly. And car debt?
6: Uh, no cars are
2: all paid for. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. Yes, but and how? By the way, what is the interest rate on your first, and what is the interest rate on your second? Which, by the way, a home equity um, line of credit is nothing but a second mortgage with a fancy yeah, name. Yeah.
6: Yep. Um, our our home mortgage is at two and a half percent. It's uh, it's a fifteen year fix that we're got six years left. Um, oh, great! The D-lock, is uh, just raised the uh, the adjustable rate to five forty five, five point four five after the uh, after the Fed did their move. Yep.
2: And what do you owe on that? We
6: owe um, fifty three thousand on the HELOC and seventy four thousand on the house.
2: And what's the value of the home?
6: Seven fifty.
2: And you took the HELOC out in the last couple of years to put in a barbecue backyard, or a swimming pool. No, no. At the time that we bought- <laughs> where
1: that? Like, 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 where <laughs> that information <laughs> come from?
2: <laughs> it was a question. At, at
6: the uh, at the time that we bought the house, which was the peak of the of the housing bubble in two thousand five, um, we took out a fifteen year uh, mortgage. At, or, well, we probably started with a thirty year mortgage, but we we always had a HELOC tied to the house, knowing that we were going to replace the rotten deck with treks and. And we do have a pool, but we didn't put it in. It was here.
2: <laughs> Got it. So, but so,
5: but we, we bought we bought owners,
6: own, you know, own solar for the roof. and So the, the, the,
5: the, the
1: I guess the question, that 53000 all went on to home improvements or repairs?
2: Yep. I just wonder yep. why. Did you ever refinance this HELOC into the first mortgage when you refinanced at these really low interest rates at 2.5%? Was that a consideration? Yeah.
6: Um, we definitely took out the new HELOC at the same time that we uh, refinanced the house for the 15-year
2: fixed. Okay. That two and a half. But, well, that, I wish you would have called, called us remember. then. <laughs> um, I, I, truly, we would have said that you should go with the lower cost. Do you have any money in the bank?
6: Uh, not in the bank. Bank in, in the 401K. I've got okay. 90000 in cash.
1: How old are you? I am 60. Is all your money in the 401k in cash, or that's just the portion that's in cash?
6: No, that's the portion that's in cash. It's a little over a million total.
2: And you're still working?
6: No, I accidentally retired in, at the end of uh, accidentally. 2020.
2: <laughs> and what are you living on? What what? What income are you living on? Do you have a pension?
6: Uh, no, I am living off of my four. well, I am living off of our retirement funds and my wife is continuing to work for another year or two. She's a year younger than me. So I have. What, and have
1: there, you gone through, have you done any, have you done, done. any, <laughs> have you done any in-depth planning of what cash flow is going to look like this year and five years from now, 20 years from now, how you should be allocated and yeah. all that?
6: Yeah. My my wife is uh, kind of runs the accounts payable. She maintains a cash flow spreadsheet and a budget spreadsheet, and she also has a rough amortization of how things are going to work out. I have met with advisors uh, in early 2021 from, from both your organization and Edelmore, Edelman Financial and looked at the overall picture. Now, at the time, I had more money, you know, like we were at a million four within living memory. But
5: uh, what was
2: your question again? Oh, I was just thinking, I'm thinking uh, uh, we, we, the question was how much you had in cash, and then you answered 90,000, but it's inside your IRA or your 401k. Yeah, it's
6: inside our IRA. Yeah, I mean, so, our, our bank so, account mostly just goes to cash flow.
2: I certainly don't like the
1: idea of using your retirement dollars to pay
2: those That's up, That's right. So you just got to live with the HELOC. But if you do have a windfall, uh, it would take place inside of the IRA, in, the, in which case uh, I don't know if I would use that to pay down this HELOC either. Do you plans to move anytime in the future? None at all. Okay, I just I the, the only mistake made is that when you refinance the, this into that two point five loan, you should have included the HELOC yeah. uh, in there. But that's that's water under the bridge. Um, and I,
1: I mean, I think the other. Concern that we might have is: Are there ample enough dollars for retirement? That most
2: certain. certainly is a question. So appreciate the call. Yeah,
1: thanks, Chris. It's interesting. He brought up uh, Edelman Financial, and I've known Rick Edelman for a number of years. A lot of respect for him, and clearly good organization and whatnot. But he left the he left the firm. I think the end of last year, and uh, he's gotten into crypto. He's got this crypto uh, it's some an, sort of education thing where you can get some sort of certificate of a crypto financial advisor or something. advisors for advisors. For advisors, for financial advisors. And I was at, this I mentioned, I was at this conference last week, and he, there was, first of all, this um, professor from some university spoke about crypt, the future of crypt, crypto and how he didn't understand why they were sending value to it, and he thought it was going to go to zero. He said, maybe it'll go to a million bucks, but I think it'll probably go to zero. Uh, and then uh, Rick came up and talked about um, uh, why he thinks crypto is a good place for financial advisors to be experts in and helping. For a
2: small portion of the portfolio, though. For a small portion,
1: but it was just—it was—it uh, felt like his talk was six months too late. You know what I mean? It's like—I oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't know. It. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. He's a bright guy.
1: It just seemed bizarre. The uh, the. Uh, whatever. It's like
2: the, know, <laughs> it was like that. in two thousand talking about white text. Ready. <laughs> It was like in
1: 2001,
2: to... like right? like after things have blown up already. And then come back for yeah. a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's keep going with calls
1: here. We're talking with James. James, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there.
5: How's it going?
1: Great. Good. How you doing, James? What can we do for you, James? Doing
5: fantastic. Here's my question. Is there a way to go from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA so I can minimize the taxes?
2: Yes. Lots of uh, ways. Um, Oftentimes, those are triggered uh, by life changes, like you're unemployed for a period of time. (laughs) Those are the
1: best times, (laughs) yeah. Right?
2: (laughs) You recently retired. You have money outside of uh, IRAs that you can actually pay taxes with the dollars. So let's talk about your particular situation.
5: Okay.
2: Yeah. How old are you, James?
5: I am 53.
1: And what's your uh, ballpark annual income for
5: the family? Uh, for the family, one hundred twenty
1: thousand. And in your current four hundred one k, are you doing a pre tax or a post tax?
5: Well, I have a four hundred three b and a four fifty seven. And in those, I'm putting about fifty thousand dollars a year.
2: Your income's one hundred and twenty, and you're putting fifty thousand dollars a year into the retirement plans.
5: <laughs>
3: yes.
2: How are you living? I
5: have- I have a tremendous amount of money that I made on a, uh, I, I, I've been paying on a house for a long time. And I recently uh, had a situation where I could rent at a very low price. So I sold my house at the top of the market and I have a lot of money. So I'm living off that money and putting it into, um, into what I mentioned earlier.
2: And are you single or married? Married. And this rent back period, how long does it run?
5: Um, well, no, not that kind of rent. I just uh, got in a situation where um, someone in my family needed me to move in to help them. And so I'm paying a very minimal amount of rent. Okay. So that put me in a situation where I just thought I should sell my house. Got it. So got it. This is gone. I'm sitting on a bunch of cash.
2: Okay. And, and would do you imagine that you're ever going to be in the market to purchase another home? That you're either going it, to have to or want to?
5: Um, there's a possible uh, I might invest, but I don't. Think there's a possibility that I'll ever uh, have to move from here. if okay. I Okay. So, so <laughs> what
2: I heard is that I moved home to uh, help an elderly parent, and I'll probably inherit right. the house. Was did right. I hear Definitely.
5: correctly? You heard that exactly right.
1: So one one of the things you're doing right now is you are you are voluntarily uh, deferring taxes at a low tax rate that. that you, you, you could end up in a higher tax rate in retirement because the way the tax rates work, uh, James, they're, they're very progressive. So if you don't have any, 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 income, you don't pay any income taxes.
2: And how many children do you, are you uh, supporting? Two
5: grown, but I'm not supporting any. Okay.
2: Uh, right. So and if, if you look at the studies,
1: roughly one in two Americans don't pay any in, income taxes because they have low income, uh, right. but then your income, um, it starts at about ten thousand. Well, first you have a standard deduction of what twenty some thousand for a married couple. Then you have a ten percent tax bracket for about twenty thousand dollars worth of income. Then you then you're in a twelve percent tax bracket for a married couple up to about eighty thousand in income. Add the uh, your basic your standard deduction. Now we're about hundred thousand, maybe a little tad over of a hundred thousand. We're in a twelve percent tax bracket. When we go from above that, it jumps from twelve percent to twenty two percent. So, just looking at rough numbers, when you said you're one hundred and twenty thousand, now you bring it down to seventy. What I what I would recommend, I'm sure Pat would agree, is you'd be better off. Let's take twenty thousand of that, have it go to pre tax, whether it's the four fifty seven or or the four hundred one k. Have that other thirty thousand go into
2: the Roth portion, portion of, of the four hundred three b or the four fifty seven. And you're assume, you're essentially doing the same thing as doing That's a exactly Roth conversion. Right. You get it's thirty just easier. grand. I got it. I it's just easier. It's just easier. Yeah, you could just do what you're doing, and then the, the and then do a but why go through that extra step? Unless you sort of like, unless you like that sort of thing, extra
4: steps. Well,
5: it, it's just that there's a, some other factors I didn't mention. In, is that I have a bunch of uh, like I have $120,000 already that are in um, a like a traditional IRA Mm -hmm. and that extra money because 300,000 of it is in cash sitting in a bank. And then there's another $120,000 that is in a traditional IRA already. So I was thinking just that original 120,000, maybe I should. You
2: can do that or you can just put money in post-tax into your, and that way you're not actually writing a, so if you don't want to change anything the way you've got it structured at work, the best thing to do is
1: around November of this year, or you can do it now if you want. Do some uh, projections on what you think your income is going to be, and you could, if you you can use a, a tax software program to help with that, and then say, all right, what happens if I if I converted twenty thousand or twenty five thousand? And you'll want to do it right right at the level before the tax rates jump from twenty two to twenty. Uh, um, from, sorry, from 12, 12 to, to 22. And it doesn't mean that once you hit that, it's going to retroactively tax
2: all your previous income. It's just those next dollars taxed to those yeah. rates. So the, that's an answer. So you yes, you could do a Roth conversion. It may make sense for this year, but next year most certainly don't even bother with the Roth conversion. Just put the money in post-tax. Into 60% forfees. of it post-tax, yeah. roughly, but I'd still run the numbers. Now in saying all that, that's how you, so you're, when I said it earlier, and you think about, Pat, it's that a rare is, life
1: situation. It's 10%. That differentials 10%. And look, there's a lot of middle-class millionaires that are very similar, particularly when at retirement time, are in that same area. They're in a lower, relatively low tax bracket, and there's some real opportunity to do some tax arbitrage. Otherwise, you're giving up 10% of your asset. 10%. That's the Voluntarily. difference. Voluntarily. I mean, that's one of the reasons, like, and it's, uh, James, so much appreciate it well,
2: But Scott, before we go, James, that $300,000 sitting in the bank, do a little projection as to when you're going to spend it. Buy some six months, 12 months treasuries, that dollars in cash. Go to a high yield money market with a mon- with a checkbook attached to it. And you're going to get another 100 to 150 base, 1.5% 1. uh, return on that money above and beyond what you're receiving at a local bank.
1: Yeah. appreciate the call because we're getting close. But uh, what I want to add, Pat, is that, the, the right kind of tax planning is so important with your financial planning because when you look at, you look at, and I just mentioned, this is a 10% differential, right? And so one of the times I get people, like people, oh, oh, you're a financial advisor. You guys charge a lot of money. Don't you get charge about 1% a year or whatever you got? That's a lot of money. I'm like, is it? When you
2: can say the right kind of planning might make
1: a 10% differential well, for I him, mean,
2: for him, we started it with it's, has to do with rare life circumstances that allow you to do this. And for a fifty-three-year-old that's fully employed, he and his spouse—I've never seen a Roth conversion where it turned out like that, where he's making one hundred and twenty grand a year, but because he's got all this cash, putting that much into his um, fifty grand—perfect yeah. situation. But look, if you're going to work
1: with a financial advisor of any sorts, make sure they're doing the proper kind of tax planning and having these conversations. I mean, one of the reasons all worth—we have our own t- team of CPAs not just to provide tax returns to our clients, which we do, but also for this kind of tax planning. And it's one of the benefits of, of being of an independent firm. You're not going to get that at, the, at most of these big firms. They state emphatically they can't provide tax advice. And I think how can you be a good financial advisor without providing tax advice? That's the large, the biggest, For some people, it's their biggest expense in retirement.
2: It is. That if
1: you've is done like a good job saving, it's going to be your biggest expense, how much you're paying in taxes retirement so anyway we are uh, and if you want to learn more about allworth financial go to our website allworthfinancial.com uh, and we're out of time it's been
0: thank you for, for being uh, here
2: listening and don't be afraid to share our podcast
0: that's right thank you this has been Allworth worth my mind.